Turn with me, please, to two openings in the Scripture in the New Testament. 1 Timothy, the first chapter, and 2 Timothy, the first chapter. The first chapter of both 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. We'll just go from one to the other. Let me remind you of some things that the Lord has uh, spoken to us about the vision of the church. <clears throat> Seem like about almost every month. Well, it has been every month. The Lord has given me something significant as far as direction for the church. And we're believing for that, praying along these lines. I would ask you to agree with us. You know, one of the greatest favors you ever did for yourself was pray for your ministers. Because what... What's going on with them and what comes through them affects you. And uh, pray for them, for, for us and for others, for utterance, for strength, for clarity. Uh, and you know what I was just talking about just a moment ago. Uh, so many times, uh, whether you're preaching something or praying something or prophesying something, you know, you can, you can be right about what you've got but you can emphasize it wrongly and, uh, you know, fill in the blanks on some things. And uh, so it's important, if, you, if you're a minister, you know this or you're learning it. Uh, man, you know, just because you've got something from God, that's just the beginning. Getting it out. Getting it out properly. Following up being a doer of it. That'll keep you busy the rest of your life. And... Uh, some, uh, let me remind you of some things the Lord has said to us. One of the first things he said, if you were here, you remember it. He said, sanctify and dedicate this place to me. This was the first week we were here. And separate it to me, dedicate it to me. So I'm purposed, I'm watchful over this, that only his things happen here. Amen. Only things he directs us to do. This is, this is not Keith and Phyllis's place. Uh, this is his place. Amen. And it's your place too. But you know what I'm talking about. It's his place. How many believe that we ought not to just have just anything go on in here? I'm talking about, you know, a bunch of foolishness or, uh, I mean, this is, we, we need to set, a, set apart this place. This is holy. We hear from God in here. Amen. God does miracles in here. And we want to keep that in mind and continue to grow in our respect, grow in our reverence. The very next month he said to me, I don't mean I heard an audible voice now, but distinctly inside in a time of prayer. He said, this will be a place of renewing and refreshing. And he dealt with me that a lot of ministers would come through here. And that's one reason we have the Friday night service. A lot of ministers will come through here. And I just saw it in prayer. A lot of them would, be come, would, would come and it would be almost like their tanks on empty. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just feel worn. And, you know, ministers, so many times, they just are giving out all the time, just giving out. Well, they need to eat, too. They need to be fed, too. And I have ministers on my heart. And when I say ministers, I don't just mean people that are behind the pulpit in a church, but they're ministers of all kinds in all different areas of ministry. And I want you to, one reason I'm telling you this is believe with me on this. When you think about this, say, yeah, this is a place a renewing and refreshing. People come in here, they may be beat up and beat down. And I don't know if you if you know this or not, but it, it can be rough in the ministry. People can be mean. 
religious people are some of the meanest people on the planet. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but it's, <clears throat> I'm telling you, they, they will kick you. They will backstab you. They'll beat you when you're down and give you three scriptures why it's okay. <laughs> There's some mean people around religiously. I'm not talking about real Christians. I'm talking about just religious people. And, uh, but this is going to be a place, and it is a place, of renewing and refreshing. A third thing, the very next month, the Lord dealt with me. He said, announce testimonies regularly and give God the glory. Well, we've been doing that, so you understand, we didn't just have an idea one day. The Lord said do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do it consistently. Amen? And, and when Phyllis, you know, tells these things and you hear about them, I'm telling you, uh, every, everybody in the place ought to be saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You are a great God. Thank you. Thank you. You answer prayers. You do miracles. And you watch it. The more we do this, this, this stack is going to get higher. These stack of papers up here. You know what I'm talking about? These testimonies are going to get higher. And, and, and she'll just have to really, really pick because you won't be able to, to touch all of them. But we'll just be able to say, well, we had five with this. We had 12 with this. And we had 20 that had this happen. And how many believe it? You watch and see. And we had 50 that had this happen. Amen. So we're going to give God the glory. And we're going to give the devil none. Even if he's able to sneak something in on us, we ain't even going to tell it. That's right, it'll chafe him. But that's just fine with us. We're not even going to give him the satisfaction of announcing what he's done. We'll say, did the devil do anything? Nah. Nothing to talk about. Did God do anything? Yeah, yeah. Let us tell you about what God is doing. Give him the glory. Give him the praise. And then... uh, Fourthly, the, the very next month, this is uh, in June, the Lord spoke to me about this. He said, train the family to take care of each other and to do the work of the ministry. I, I had to go back and remind myself. That's one reason I'm correcting myself because I'm, I'm just jumping on, let's do the work of the ministry. He actually said for me to train you how to take care of you and each other and then do the work of the ministry. And so I'm, I'm correcting myself. And so uh, I gave you uh, last Sunday one of the first, I called it a rule, but I'm changing, I don't like that word as well this morning, uh, first principle of Faith Life Church. Anybody remember what that was? Well, yeah, that was the first part of, of getting people to the Lord. But the, exactly, thank you. The first principle of Faith Life Church is going to be love each other. And not just say, not just in word, but in action. And what's the main way that you that we love each other? Giving. By giving to each other. Now, if if that sounds strange to you, don't let that go until you you get that settled. But it is. God so loved the world that He gave. And the chief way that you demonstrate love to each other is by giving to each other. Not just giving money and stuff, but by giving your time, your your respect, your your, your loyalty. Right. Giving. That's, that's number one around here. Always going to be number one. Amen. Amen. First principle. Love each other. And the second principle I'm going to get into this morning. The second principle that we're going to emphasize. You're going to hear us again and again. We're going to live by faith. 
Amen. Faith's not number one. Love's number one. Faith works by love, doesn't it? You try to put faith, and you, you can tell, you can see how people get off on some of these things. I mean, if you just emphasize faith only, you'll get off. Number two principle that we're going to operate and live by is living by faith. Now, these scriptures here this morning that I have you at, First and Second Timothy, the first chapter both, talk about faith and something that in, in our couple of decades of ministry I have seen repeatedly and is getting clearer to me and that we need to talk about. First Timothy, the first chapter and the fifth verse, he says the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith un. Feigned. Let's pray just a moment further. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. Thank you for all your help. Thank you for every prayer you've already answered and everything you've already done to get us this far. We're so thankful. And Lord, we're believing you for eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts open and receptive. Let there come a revelation and a dawning of light inside the hearts the eyes and minds of every hearer, every one of us here, that we'd see this clearly, just what you want us to see, and that we would understand faith better than we have, and we'd walk in faith stronger than we have, that we might please you more than we have. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. He uses the phrase here, faith unfeigned. Now go over to the second book of Timothy and the first chapter. Verse 3, he said, I thank God, 2 Timothy 1.3, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience. That without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your mother, grandmother, Lois, and your mother, I know some folks say Eunice, mine's marked Eunice. And I'm persuaded that in you also. Everybody say unfeigned faith. See, he said this unfeigned faith was in your grandma. It was in your mother. And it's in you. You know, the greatest inheritance children ever receive is not money. It's faith. Amen. Amen. Faith. You can work hard. You can give your kids a good education. You can give them a nice house to live in and, and uh, things to do. But if they grow up faithless, they grow up barren. Yes, and how many know that the big things in life, money won't fix? The big things in life, things can't satisfy. Oh, but faith in God will get you through the roughest spots. 
I said, faith in God. Faith in God will get your bills paid, get your body healed, get your marriage straightened out. You can be at the rock bottom. Faith in God will bring you up. Amen. Just a side thought on this. Always stay on God's side. You know what I mean by that? Always stay on God's side. It's all right to ask the Lord questions, but never accusatively. Lord, would you show me this? Teach me about this. Help me with this. And then don't just ask, but get in faith. Believe you receive and expect an answer. But it's not okay to look up and go, God, why? Why? Why didn't you do this? Or why did you let this happen? Why? That's not okay. I said, that's not okay. Especially the more you know. Now, if you're just a baby and don't know any better, the Lord will let you by with some of that. But especially the more you know. Why? Because you are questioning his character. You're questioning. You're not saying it, but it's implied, Lord, you didn't do right by me. You let me down. Now, I'm going to be talking about this more as we get into this. But how many understand God has never let anybody down? Never has. Never will. Never. My son, I know somebody. No, you don't know anybody. Well, I know somebody that trusted God and they stood in faith and it didn't work. No, you don't know anybody like that. You've never met anybody like that. Never will. I tell you what you will meet, though, is a lot of people who are confused about faith and are calling some things faith that are not. Now, notice this phrase, unfeigned faith. Faith is a precious thing. I said faith is a precious, much more precious than silver and gold. Faith is, in fact, how many of Peter talks about that? Like precious faith, and Paul talks about uh, precious faith. We like to think, well, we're all just full of faith and everybody's got a lot of faith, but it just ain't true. Every Christian could have faith, has the potential in them. God has given to every man a measure of faith, and it is up to you what you do with it. But there's a whole lot of people calling a whole lot of things faith, and it is not. The word feign means false, or probably a better word, pretend. Feigned faith would be pretend faith. Well, what is unfeigned faith? Not pretend. And that's what he's talking about. The the not pretend faith, the real faith. Genuine faith. That's what we want, right? Did you know that there is pretend faith? I mean, see, he wouldn't say the not pretend unless there was pretend faith. And, you know, I've made mistakes in faith. We don't know it all by any stretch. All of us are growing. But I've made mistakes and learned from them, Phyllis and I have, continuing to do so. And I've had the privilege, you know, I worked in a healing school for, uh, what was it, 16 plus years. Night and day, <clears throat> dealing with people, many of them who were diagnosed terminal, many of them 
who were considered hopeless, just waiting to die. And so the key to people getting healed is faith. Jesus said so. How many remember how many times in the gospel accounts where Jesus looked at people and said, according to your faith, be it to you, as you have believed, right? Your faith has made you whole. You remember reading these things? Jesus didn't put the emphasis on his power. He didn't put the emphasis on God's will, as so many are doing today. Where did Jesus put the emphasis? On the individual's faith. So we we learned immediately if somebody's facing death, if they've got a terrible situation, we got to get to work on their faith. And without, you know, before too long, I begin to see that there are some things that people are calling faith to the unlearned. It looks like faith. It sounds like faith, but it's not. And so that's why I'm taking some time this morning. I want to tell you as much as I, and as I know about it, let's believe to learn more so we know what the real thing is and learn to identify the faults. Everybody say unfeigned faith, real faith, genuine faith. Let me say this again real slowly now. You never, you don't know of anybody, you've never met anybody who stood and trusted God and it didn't work. Are you with me on that? It's never happened to you. You've never met anybody. You don't know of any cases like that. There are a lot of cases where people call themselves standing. And it wasn't the real deal. And because people don't know a lot about faith sometimes, they, they say, well, that faith stuff just doesn't work for everybody. I don't know at the times I've had people say, you know, would you go by and see so-and-so? Or would you go visit them at the hospital? They have a lot of faith. But I don't know why you know they're not receiving. And you're talking to them for three minutes and you realize they got no faith at all to be healed. They believe in God. They're a good Christian in a lot of ways. But that doesn't mean that you're full of faith to be healed. And faith, even though you can have strong faith in one area, that doesn't mean that you have strong faith in all areas. Faith works the same in every area, but it's got to be developed in each area. There are people that have strong faith to be healed, but don't have any faith to, to be blessed financially. Have no vision for it. No expectancy of it. No confidence in that area. And that's, a, that's one of our jobs as a church, is a filling station. Amen. So if you are running a little low, you can whip in say, fill her up. <laughs> fill her up, Brother Keith. Check the oil. And that's my job, amen, to come bring some in here to fill it, fill up with. And, of course, I'm not the filler. He's the filler. Amen. But you've got to want to be filled, too. Full of faith, I'm talking about. Full of the faith. Now, uh, turn with me to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And I want to give you at least three main points about identifying real faith. And, of course, in doing that, it helps you to identify what's false. You know, they tell us that people who are in the Treasury Department that oversee the, uh, the effort to stamp out counterfeiting, we're told that a lot of them don't study counterfeits. They study the real bill. Not studying counterfeits. I mean, the counterfeits, they're all... 
who knows how many variations of those, but they study the real bill. And they get so familiar with that that they can notice any variation, any departure, any difference from the, from the genuine, from the original. And, and you don't want to try to see how much you can learn about false stuff. You want to learn about the real. Amen. And once you see and know the real, then anything different from that puts off a flag to you. And you go, uh-uh, no, that ain't right. That ain't right. This is the real. It don't match that. It doesn't match the word. So it can't be right. One of the first points that you understand about real faith, genuine faith, real faith has a real foundation. It's sitting on something or it's resting on something solid. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, you know the scripture, many of you, but let's look at it again. The very first verse, Hebrews 11, 1, what does it say? Now, faith is the what? Well, I mean, we use that word in all kind of applications. Substantive. Substance means there's something there. Right? When you have faith, there's something there in your heart. You're not just concocting something off the top of your head that you're going to believe for. you got, you got revelation of, some, of God's will and His Word in your heart. There's something you know. You'll find that confidence is a faith word. You show me somebody in faith, I'll show you somebody with confidence. They speak confidently about that area. And they can tell you what's going to happen. If you're in faith about your bills being paid, you won't be asking me questions about it. I can ask you questions and you'll tell me, yeah, you just watch. The money's coming. Every bill paid. Right? You know, I, I can't get up here and say, what do y'all think? Y'all think we're going to pay for these seats? <laughs> Boy, I sure hope so. What do y'all think? Maybe we ought to do something else. Maybe, what do you think? <laughs> I thought of that, wasn't going to say it. But yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. No, no. You don't hear me saying that, do you? No, thank God. Thank what am I saying? I, I, I'm telling you. It's, it's happening. Yes. Amen? Amen? Not because I'm trying to convince myself. I'm convinced. Hallelujah. I believe it. Yes. There's some substance in me about this. But now, how does faith come? Anybody remember? How do you get faith? Faith doesn't come... By having people lay hands on you and pray for you to get faith. Faith doesn't come by you begging God in the nighttime, please give me faith. Millions do it, but that's not how it comes. The scripture says, stay with the scripture. Romans ten seventeen. what does it say? So then, faith comes. By what? By hearing. Hearing by the word of the Lord. So... To have faith, you've got to have some substance. Where does that substance come from? From hearing from God. You hear from God through His Word, through the written Scripture. You hear from God in times of prayer. Somebody was telling me the other day, they said, boy, that's a, that's, a, that's a great idea you came up with on that paid and filled. I said, I didn't come up with that. I'd like to take credit for that, but I, I, I can't. In a time of prayer, the Lord dealt with me, do it this way, the people can see it. They can see it happening. 
and they can hook their vision on a chair or two. Right? And uh, once you've heard from the Lord, then you can have faith on that. I said real faith has a what? Substance. Or it has, it has a real foundation. Something to stand on. What is the thing that you stand on? I've heard from God. Right? If you don't know the will of God about something, it is impossible for you to have faith for that thing. I said, if you don't know the will of God about a thing, you cannot have faith for it. All you can do is waver and wonder and ask questions. And so the reason I say this is because one area of pretend faith is where people say, I'm believing for this. I'm believing for that. And one of the questions that they should be asking themselves, how can I believe for this? Who told, when did the Lord tell me he would do this for me? Where is it at in the scripture? When did I hear by his spirit and did what I hear, does it match with what's in the book? Right? I've heard people say, well, I'm just going to believe for this. Now, especially when it comes to believing for other people. Friend, you're limited. We might think, well, we'd like to just come in and, and, and believe for, you know, this to happen for this person and that to happen for that person. But friend, they have a will. God expects some things of them. He'll let you do more for babies than he will for people who, who know more. But you have to be led by the Spirit and you have to talk to people. A lot of times you, you might think, well, let's just believe for this to happen. But in talking to them, you see, they're not believing for that to happen. So can you just believe for it to happen for them anyway? With them telling you, no, I don't think it's the will of God. And you say, yeah, well, I'm just going to believe for it to happen for you anyway. You can't. People try, but that is a pretend faith. Now, there's some very important areas here. I hope you're not sleeping, friends. This, this is very important. This will save a lot of confusion and problems. When you say, I'm believing for this, how can you believe for it? When did God tell you that? Do you have the substance of the revelation of what he told you in you to stand on? Faith in God, it would be the principle works just like faith in me. If you say, well, I believe Brother Keith is going to come over after the service and, and cook dinner for me. <laughs> I believe Brother Keith's going to come over tomorrow and cut my grass. Well, how can you believe that? Well, I just have faith and I'm just going to believe for it to happen because the Bible said you can have what you say. Hmm? Scripture said, believe you receive and you'll have. And I just believe I receive Brother Keith coming over and fixing dinner for me. I doubt seriously that that's going to happen. <laughs> Phyllis doesn't think so either. For, for one thing, you don't want me cooking. I grew up around good cooks and never needed to cook. And so I'd never developed in that area. But how, what's the only way you could have faith in me that I was going to do that for you? If I told you, if I said, I'm go, I will come over, I will do this, then your, your faith in me would come from hearing what I said. Right? But if I didn't tell you that, you can't just off the top of your head say, I'm going to believe for this to happen. 
The Lord dealt with me some years ago. He gave me this phrase, and, and, and it would serve you well too, I think. He said, Keith, this was 20 years ago. I'm learning some things about faith. He said, Keith, if you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. He's talking about both in what I pray and in what I say. A lot of people are too quick to try to pray the prayer of faith. They're too quick to try to make a faith confession. Well, let's just believe for this to happen. Now, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, be quick to believe rather than quick to doubt, but not so quick that you try to launch off and you got nothing to stand on. Right? There's a lot of things in my life. You know, a whole lot of things are not so time critical that you have to pray the prayer right now. A lot of things in your life, you I mean, you could ponder it and think about it, and I have, sometimes for days, sometimes for weeks, some things for months, thinking about it. What did the Lord say to me about that? And then when I know i got something to stand on, that's when I pray my prayer. That's when I make my faith confession, and I can stand on it, because I know I've heard from Him. And even if it looks like it's not happening or it, uh, or it looks like it's delayed or whatever, I'm not moved, shaken because I took the time to, to get settled. Remember the Bible talks about the, the types of ground, the, the wayside ground and the, the, the stony ground and the thorny ground. Well, one of them, uh, the, uh, the stony ground didn't make it because of a shallow reception. There was no depth, it said. So I know... And I know by revelation, as well as some things I've heard, uh, that there's a lot of folk, and part of it's just ignorance, too quick to tell people, well, let's just believe for this. Well, let's just pray and believe for this to happen. Too quick. And that's why they're not seeing results. And people say, well, I just don't understand. You know, we, uh, we prayed for that, and, and it didn't happen. Well, I said that, and it didn't come to pass. Well, now, who failed here? Did God fail? It's amazing how people are so quick to blame God and to say faith didn't work, to say this didn't work, it wasn't His will, and it never occurs to them to look in the mirror and realize maybe I didn't do something right. Hmm? But I tell you, it's, it's just a safe conclusion. If something didn't work, no need looking at God. Right? No, no. I mean, He's never failed. He cannot fail. Impossible for him to fail. So be selective. Don't be in such a hurry. Somebody comes and says, you know, agree with me on this. Can you? Sometimes you can't. Sometimes what they want you to believe with them for is unscriptural. Sometimes they haven't heard from God. You haven't heard from God. What scriptures are we standing on? What did the Lord say to us about it? A lot of times you ask people that and they just look at you with a blank look like, I don't know. Let's just believe for it. <laughs> that's pretend faith. That's, that's Christians pretending to operate in faith, and it results in no results. Are you with me? Amen. Faith is the what? Substance. That word's what? Hypostasis, I believe in the Greek. The, the standing under, the firm foundation of things hoped for. Or we could say it like this, things expected. When I'm expecting something, I'm in faith. Why am I expecting it? I've heard from Him. 
Amen. See, as your leaders here, I need to be strong. I need not let it just anything shake me and move me. Am I supposed to be in Branson? Yeah. I didn't just get up one morning and say, I think I'll go up there. I prayed about this and looked at this for months and checked my heart and missed some meals. And and now I don't care what happens. I know I'm supposed to be here. Hmm? Whether folk like it or whether they don't or whether they like me or whether they don't, I'm here. Till he says something different. Amen? He dealt with me about this place. Get this place. Set Set it apart to me. Sanctify it. Dedicate it to me. Believe for the money to come in. Pay for this place. It's happening. Amen? Amen. If, if there were just three people sitting in here looking at me this morning, I'd be saying the same thing. The money's coming in. If it's just me and Phyllis, I'd stand up and say the same thing. Because you know he could. I mean, he could deal with one person to write one check and just take care of it. People get their eyes on numbers and other things. And that's not what your faith is supposed to be based on. Did we hear from God? Then you stand. But I'm not standing on nothing. I'm standing on something. Substance. I've heard from Him. Can you say amen? amen? So before you can have faith, you must hear from Him. He speaks to you through His Word, through the written Word. He speaks to you by His Spirit. But you need to know that you know I've heard from Him and that's what you stand on. Secondly, real faith deals with the real world, deals with reality. Now go with me to Romans 4, please. Is this okay this morning? Romans 4. The more I get into this, I just I sense what a need this is. For us to talk about because a lot of people believe in the effects of faith and the necessity of faith. But there's a whole lot of things people are calling faith that's not faith. Number one, remind me again, real faith what? Has a real foundation. You're standing on something. What are you standing on? I've heard from him. Right? I've heard from him. Can't have faith if you haven't heard from Him. I've heard from Him about this. Through the Word and or through His Spirit. Now secondly, real faith deals with the real world. Now let me say it like this. Real faith doesn't pretend. God is real. There's nothing false about God. And there's nothing false about His things. The devil is the master of faults. He is a liar And the father of lies, John 8 says. And at no time when you're trying to pretend can you be in the things of God. In fact, falseness will be like a wall between between you and the Lord. Even if you're trying to pray or you're trying to worship Him. I mean, we've been reading in the uh, gospel accounts. Have you seen how many times Jesus rebukes and speaks so sternly against hypocrisy? God hates it. And I'm telling you, the world's full of it, isn't it? And people without even realizing it so many times have been affected by all the falseness that's in the world. And they try to put on fronts and try to put on airs. And you see a bunch of it in the church. 
people pretending to be spiritual, pretending to know more than they do. You see people a lot of times even where natural things are concerned uh, don't even enjoy fellowship with like they should with each other, won't invite somebody to their house, uh, won't uh, spend any time because they're trying to pretend that they're at a place financially that they're not. And maybe they got a nice suit or dress on, but it's all on the credit card. Did you hear me? And, and they don't want people to go back and see where they live and what they've actually got because they've been trying to pretend and talk all this big talk. That's actually hindering you from real prosperity. You are where you are. Right? No sin to be at the bottom of the barrel. It's not a sin to be poor. It's not a sin to be broke. Like one fellow said, it's just mighty inconvenient. <laughs> but if you, if you want to, you know, if you want to go from where you are, you have to start where you are. And admit where you are and acknowledge it. You know, Christians are supposed to be hospitable. But that means letting people see what's, what it really is. Like my granddad used to always say, how many remember, you know, uh, a few years back, I know, you know, we grew up just not too far from here, down in, down in Mississippi. And, and uh, man, all the relatives would come over sometime, about supper time, blow the horn. They'd get out with their five kids and, uh, and their four grandkids. And a little bitty house, I mean, <laughs> little bitty place. Uh, and they'd just say, oh, y'all get out and come in. We're just sitting down for supper. Y'all come on in. And my granddad would say, he said, uh, such as it is, you welcome to it. Sometimes you tell us boys, peas and pone, eat it or leave it alone. <laughs> and then they tell them, you know, little bitty house, and just tell them, y'all, y'all spend the night. All 14 of them. Y'all all spend, where are they going to sleep? Well, they pallet on the floor. And still have a big time. Isn't that right? A man's life, a woman's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that they possess. But I'm telling you, this, this putting on of fronts, this putting on of airs, is uh, almost ad nauseating to God. And he may, but just that, I mean, it's very displeasing to Him and distasteful to Him. And what does the Scripture say? Though the, those that worship God, how, how must they do it? In spirit and in truth. I mean, no need in coming and putting on a big front about, Oh, God, we worship Thee, Thou art great, and put on Your religious voice. God's not even hearing you. Not even hearing you. But when you come from the heart, hmm, real, genuine, He hears that. He responds to that. Real faith it deals with the real world, deals with realities in every area. It does not pretend. There's no pretending. Romans 4, 17, are you there? He said, I have made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God. God who quickens the dead and God does what? He calls those things that are as though they are not. Did I read that wrong? Is it a difference? A lot of folk don't think so. What's the difference? What's well, the difference between faith and lying? God and faith, 
those following in the footsteps of the father of faith, Abraham, calls those things that what? Be not. As what? As though they were. Is that the same thing as calling something that is? As though it's not. No, it is not. That's not what the scripture said, and yet people are doing it. They're making mistakes in these areas. That's why sometimes uh, people in the medical profession have difficulty with uh, faith preachers and so-called faith people because a lot of what people are calling faith is not faith. They go to the doctor, and if you go to, go to the doctor, you're wanting him or her to help you, right? And in some of them, they, you know, the doctor is saying, well, what's wrong? Nothing, I'm healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> well, what would be the obvious next question? Well, why are you here, right? I mean, <laughs> and, and examine them and, you know, poking and prodding and, and poke something. And then they go, mm. does that hurt? And they go, no, in Jesus' name, I have no pain. No. <laughs> in Jesus' name, I have no pain. No pain. Creditors call. You're behind with something. When are you going to pay me my money? They say, I have no bills in Jesus' name. <laughs> and, and that is why some of the so-called faith camp has a bad reputation. And some people think that we're nuts. Some of us have been Nuts. Confused. But that is not a bad reflection on God and on real faith. Real faith has always been amazing and result producing. And so what we need to do is weed the, the real from the false. Start right here in our own life. Now think about this. Think about what you're hearing and what you're doing. If you're in the middle of the night, you're hurting. And you're pacing the floor and you're saying, I have no pain. I have no pain. I have no, mm. oh, no pain, no pain. I have no pain. Is that what the scripture told you to do? Pain is. And you're saying it's not. Is that what he told you to do? No, it is not. Not only that, what are you hearing? I have no pain, have no pain, have no pain. You're hearing about pain, you're meditating pain. What are you going to be more aware of? Pain. The more you say, I have no pain, the more you're going to be thinking about pain. No, if there's sickness and there's problems in your body, what is not there? Healing, wholeness, strength, soundness, right? If you got bills... You got bills. And that'd be a big revelation to a lot of people. If you have bills, you have bills, okay? Do not get into this denial stuff and pretending stuff and call it faith. Got nothing to do with faith. If the bills are piled up, what is not there? Money. Right? (laughs) Money is not there. So what, what does the scripture say? Call those things that be not as though they were. The money's not. And that's the thing we should be saying. Thank you, Lord. I claim the money to come. I will have too much money to pay all these bills. 
I call my body healed. I call my body whole. And you don't even have to say that in front of people that don't understand. Right? It's not them you need to convince. And it's not God you need to convince. Who is it needs to be convinced? You. Yourself. Another thing you'll see about pretending faith, pretend faith, is people are more interested in what others are thinking about them. They always think about, you know, they're trying to impress somebody with my faith. I've got to show mom and daddy. I've got to show my brother and sister. I've got to show these folk that this is true and that this is written. No, you don't got to show anybody. And you need to get off of that. God didn't call you to prove the Bible to people. You're called to believe it. Amen. To act on it. Don't set out on this quest to prove to people that faith is real and works. You'll get off. Focus on yourself being confident and believing. It doesn't matter what else. It doesn't make any difference if everybody in this place thinks you're full of faith. God knows if you're not. Right? And it's not us that's going to heal your body. It's not us that's going to meet your needs. It's Him. So He's the only one that matters. And He already knows. Real faith doesn't pretend. Real faith will look the bills right square in the eye and go, Yeah, I know you're there. I see you. But I'm a giver. I'm a tither. God takes care of me. And I'll pay every one of these bills off in Jesus' name. The money's on the way right now. Hmm? Yeah, I see this pain. Yeah, the doctor said I had this. Don't argue with the doctor. Don't argue with the specialist. I mean, if they ran tests and it shows it on the test. And a lot of times people are saying, well, agree with me about the test. Well, it's not the test you want fixed. It's you. And the reason people talk so much about the test is because their faith is in the test. They're not really going to believe till they see a good test result. Which means you're still walking by sight and not by faith. Faith believes I'm healed before I have a good test result. Faith believes I'm healed in spite of the negative. Hmm? Not pretending. Faith doesn't pretend. Now thirdly, and I think I'm, I'm closing. Real faith is evidenced by the spirit of victory. Hallelujah. I said real faith is evidenced by the spirit of victory. Go to two scriptures with me, please, quickly. 1 John 5 and 2 Corinthians 4. I'm excited inside about this this morning. We're going to make some adjustments. We're going to get it straightened up. We're going to actually believe God. And we're going to see even more miracles, even more testimonies. I am so thankful for these testimonies that we've already heard. Glory to God. You stay tuned on this brain thing too. You watch. Miracles in the brain. Happening this morning. How many believe we can pray and believe here and God can work on the other side of the planet? Other side of the country? Yeah. He's quick. 1 John 5. Number one, faith, real faith has a real what? Faith. 
foundation. Number two, real faith deals with the real world. It, it does not pretend. And number three, real faith is evidenced by the spirit of victory. First John 5 and verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you born of God? Then you are by nature a winner. I need some more amens than that. I said, you, you are by nature a winner. By, by your very inside nature, you are an overcomer. Amen. So you got obstacles in your way. That just means there's something to come over. We're not a goer-underer. We're a comer-over. And how do we do it? And this is the victory that overcomes the whole blooming world. Even our, oh glory to God, our faith. There is nothing, nothing that can come against you in life that you can't overcome with your faith in God. Nothing. Nothing. No physical attack, no financial need, no personal relationship problem, no business situation. There's nothing in this world and in this life that you cannot overcome. With your faith in your God. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. You show me somebody who's in faith and has faith in their heart. I'll show you someone with a victorious countenance. Not depressed. Not defeated. But the spirit of victory in you. You ever heard somebody say, well, what's going on? Well, we're just believing God. We're just... No, you're not, honey. Well, we, we all prayed and we made good confession this morning, but we just trying to do the best we know how. No. That ain't it. I said, that ain't it. Real faith is not defeated. Real faith is not depressed. No such thing as sitting in the corner crying about your situation, feeling bad and feeling sad, and you're in faith. I know some folk don't like that, but that's just, that's reality. That's the way it is. Let me give you some of the best advice you have ever heard. That's a big statement, I know that. But it is. Are you ready? I'm telling you, if you would just act on, and I would just act on this... Every day, it would save us untold problems and agony. Here's the the advice. Never, ever, ever, for any reason, in any circumstance, at any time, never, ever, ever, never, ever feel sorry for yourself. There is never a legitimate reason and excuse for feeling sorry for yourself. Never. 
And it is, I'm telling you, when you start feeling sorry for yourself, you throw both doors open and invite the devil into your life. And he will come with his depression. He will come with his death, with his junk. And if you sit there and listen to it and use up your Kleenexes and close the blinds, you can die like that. Run off your best friends. Alienate yourself from your family. Let me go over this real carefully again. Never, ever, under any circumstances, in any situation, with anybody, at any time, never, ever, ever feel sorry for yourself. I don't care if your best friends forsook you and talked about you, your house burnt down, your car got wrecked. And your dog left. Look up and go. I am not alone. God is with me. He loves me. I'm saved. I'm saved. And that spirit of victory is the very thing that God needs out of you to be able to lift you up and bless you beyond where you ever have been before. But if you sit and you sink down into the mire and you cry and you act pitiful and you feel sorry for yourself, I'm telling you, the Lord Himself is not able to do for you legally what He wants to do. Because you are refusing to obey Him and believe Him. I'm telling you, faith will stand up in the middle of tears and fears and mud and blood and junk. And it'll stand up and say, I don't care. I don't care. God is for me. He's on my side. He's in me. I'm not going down. I'm not going down. That's all he needs. That's all he needs out of you. But the moment you pile up in the corner, poke your lip out. You have shut the door to God's help. You've cut yourself off from His grace. (laughs) Somebody say amen for me. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Oh, I like this. I think I'm closing. I could go on and on. I think you know that, but y'all going to come back another time, aren't you? I mean... It's one good thing. A lot of times I'm out on the road. I'm, I may not see them for a long, long time, but I'm supposed to see you again. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 8. Well, no, excuse me. Read verse 13 first, then we'll back up to verse 8. Verse 13, we having, 2 Corinthians 4, 13, we having the same spirit of faith as it is written, I believed and therefore I have Spoken. We also believe and so we speak. we speak. You believe he's talking about a confident word. You believe he's talking about standing up on the inside and saying, God said this. This is what's happening in my life. This is how this thing's going to turn out. Amen? Unbelief asks questions. Faith makes declarations. Amen? Now look in the eighth verse. Does it mean if you live and walk by faith that you won't have any problems? No, whoever told you that told you wrong. 
No. The scripture told you you're going to have some trouble. Didn't he? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not even just a few. But. Here comes the faith. But. The Lord delivers him out of them all. Listen to the spirit of faith, which is the spirit of victory in these verses right here. Verse 8, the apostle Paul said, we are troubled on every side. That would have been a lot of so-called faith people today that wrote back and said, now, Paul, you're making a bad confession. Quit saying, don't you say you're troubled? Because they want you to pretend that there is no trouble. There is trouble. There's the curse in the earth. There's sickness. There's disease. There's crazy people. There's demons. Right? There's, there's junk in the earth. There's trouble. But you don't just stop there and go, oh, yeah, ain't it bad? Whew. Trouble. We got trouble. Did the apostle Paul say he had trouble? Trouble on every side. But he didn't stop there. What did he say? I got trouble. But, but, I am not, not distressed. Can you have trouble and not be stressed out about it? Faith is such a wonderful thing. Faith, we which have believed, do enter into rest. You can have junk all around you and not be stressed out. And people wonder, how do you do it? How do you do it? I would be so stressed. You go, well... God's still on the throne. The word is still true. I've prayed my prayer. I've said my thing. Amen. I'm standing here expecting. We are perplexed. What's perplexed? You ever seen the caption on the cartoon character? Had a big question mark over their head? You ever felt like that? You're thinking, huh? What's going on, God? What? What is happening here? There are times you will not know what's going on. You will not understand. But even though you are perplexed, perplexed, but not in despair. I'm not down over it. A lot of stuff I don't know, but I'm not down. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. One translation says not down, but not knocked out. Let me tell you how to win every fight. Every fight. And it's not just me talking. The scripture said, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. How do you do it? I don't care if it looks like you got, got a, a problem in the ring that's ten times your size. And you're tangled up in the ropes. And you're upside down. And, and getting beat to a pulp, you feel like it. Through the blood, in the entanglement, look through it and go, I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. And you watch what God does. God, if He has to move heaven and earth, He will move through there and raise you up. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. In every situation, look up and say, we're going over. Maybe if something turned wrong in the economy or in your field of business and it looks like you're going down, here's where faith comes in. Go out to that place of business in the morning and look at it and say, this place is going over. This place makes money. This place makes money hand over fist. 
I don't listen to anything. Yeah, but. No, no, no yeah, buts there. The problem is, but. God is more than enough. This place makes too much money. Amen. Learn to speak over your children, to speak over your marriage, to speak over your situations. Declare it when it doesn't look like it, when it doesn't feel like it. No pretending, no making things up, no defeat. Glory to God. A final thing here, we'll say it like this. Real faith has a real foundation. Real faith deals with the real world. Real faith has the real spirit of victory about it. And real faith gets real results. One way you can tell people are in faith, they get results. It works. Believe you receive. What did Jesus say? You shall have them. It will come to pass. Say it out loud. It will come to pass. Stand up on your feet, everybody, please. Say it out loud. It will come to pass. It's coming to pass. I think we just need to exercise some of this right now. Everybody stand up, please. Stand up and say it out loud in Jesus' name. I am a faith child of a faith God. Victory lives in me. For God is in me. I'm an overcomer. More than a conqueror. I call my body healed. I call my mind sound. I call my finances strong. I'll pay every bill. I'll pay every debt off. I'll do everything I need to do. I'm a winner. I'm an overcomer. To God's glory. Hallelujah. Put your hands up, why don't you? Thank Him about it. Put your hands up just a moment. Thank Him that real faith, unfeigned faith, dwells in your heart. Hallelujah. We're going to live, we're going to walk in real faith. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.